Hi, welcome to 1001 Books, the podcast where we read the 1001 books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they are really worth your time. I'm Chelsea, a lover of any fantasy with a strong female lead and a new mom failing at finding time to read. (laughs) And I'm Nicole. According to my library, I mostly check out books about magic. (laughs) So, so exciting. Well, we are really, really excited to be here today. And what have you been reading recently, Nicole? Um, I... One of my recent reads is a book called Bewilderment by Richard Powers, which I read because at the very beginning of 2021, I read The Overstory by Richard Powers, and I don't know if I ever talked about it on the podcast because we weren't recording then, uh, pre-vaccine we weren't recording, and but it's a just amazing like it was the overstory was like a life-changing like book like it like it changed me like it was so powerful and it and it, it changed my relationship with the natural world because it's all about trees mm-hmm. and like just like fucking good like I was, I was like it was so good and so he um that came out in 2020 and then he just published bewilderment in 2021 uh and it and I and it was really still really good but more depressing because it's about a uh father and son the mom's dead and the son has uh, is like 10 and he has uh maybe autism maybe adhd kind of undiagnosed like thing and he's and it's like set in the near future where climate change oh god is really really happening bad and but it was like real it wasn't like in the distant future when everything is scorched it was like a way that maybe it really could be in 20 years. Um, that was, and that was a bit terrifying, but also lovely. Also in, in the story, the characters were like, the thesis was like, how do you live a meaningful life and love each other? Well, in a world like this. Um, and there was a lot of science in it. The dad character was a scientist. Um, and so it was really beautiful, but I also, it Too also was depressing. Home. It also was depressing and, and a little bit triggering for my anxiety. And so it wasn't, I would still recommend it to some people, but not if it's going to make you too anxious, you know? So not to me. Gotcha. Yeah. Like it might've been a mistake for me to read it, but I reckon I want to go back and read Richard Powers previous works. Cause he has several other books because the overstory, I cannot stress how much everyone should read the overstory <laughs> i have it in my house yes you one day uh i haven't read anything <laughs> I, read yeah, I just write na on the form <laughs> for you now for a while. i read this book so uh you know gotcha gotcha i'm yeah so the book that we are reading this time is called the year of the death of ricardo race and it is by Jose Saramago, um, and it was written and published in Portugal in 1984, and it is set in Portugal in the late 1930s. Yeah, mid-30s, I think. Yeah. So um, what is your one-word description for this book? So I apologize for this because it's not really a word, but my brain is not working good today. Um, but I, I've been looking for a word that, like, unreality, like, not that it's unrealistic, but it's like an unreal reality. It's surreal. Something in there. Got you. <laughs> That's as close as I can get. And I'm thinking um, intentional aimlessness. Yes. Yeah. You know, with a hyphen. Yeah. So one, one word. word. 
So, in our quick plot for this novel, Ricardo Reis returns to Portugal after a 16-year departure in Brazil, as a revolution begins in Spain. He is also a complex literary device, because this is a very literary work of literary fiction. Yes, and it took a significant amount of Googling for me to understand that, not being personally Portuguese. Um, yeah, and I'm going to say I didn't put in that effort. I, like, have... <laughs> 20 pages in, I was like, I'm not going to get this I one. texted you and said, it's very important that you Google this one, and you still didn't look it up. I did, <laughs> but then I, like, still didn't get it. I Googled oh, it, and man. then I was like, I That's hilarious. Can't. Because when I looked it up, because I just kind of looked it up on a whim, because I was reading it on surface level, and it's fine, but then I was like, something feels weird about this, and I Googled it, and then I was like, Chelsea, definitely Google I it. I did, but I just can't, I still I, couldn't wrap my head around it. I don't blame you. It's just, that just cracks me up. Uh, first, we have to talk about how, you know, we buy cop, cop our books a few in advance so that we can choose, like, oh, we need to do a short one right now, we need to mm-hmm. do a long one, keep it varied, and this book we bought three years ago, and it yep. just never got to it. We didn't read it before our hiatus. And I own multiple copies of it. Yes, yeah, because so you were moving into this house and you thought you like didn't get it, but then you have two copies. Um, so we're just like, we finally have to do this one. Yeah, uh, and here we are. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, I am on one hand glad we put it off because <laughs> we have more experience reading very. Again, very literary fiction, literary fictions. Um, This book is also the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize for Literature in 1998, which doesn't make sense to me because it's... It didn't get published in English until... um, I was like, because it was published in 1984. 84 in Portuguese and then uh, 91 in English. Okay. Um, Yeah, and so... Okay, getting into it. So essentially, yeah. Why don't you do the like surfacey plot, and then I'll give. Oh, the, like, cool, great, because you actually crap. understood what was going on. Yeah. So this guy Ricardo Reis, he moves back to Portugal, and he's living in a hotel, and he keeps getting met by the ghost or afterlife image of Fernando Pessoa, who is a poet in Portugal and was a real life person. Yes, I'll tell yeah. about him. Um, and so he's meeting up with him randomly as he's, like, meandering through the days. And he just, like, doesn't really have a sense of purpose. Um, he starts sleeping with the maid at the hotel. And he kind of has this weird obsession with another visitor to the hotel, a young girl, adult but young girl, um, who has, like, a um, disability where her hand has... Uh, basically become paralyzed and he just kind of meanders aimlessly (laughs) through Portugal and then you part of the thing that makes this really hard to like track if you're not in a very like studied history mental state is it'll like have sections that are like news flashes from back then and it lists all these going ons in the world that were real going on like I know enough history to catch that those are things that were really happening in the world but it'll be like three pages of and then he was reading the newspaper and this 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 this happened yeah that was very frequent (laughs) um and so yeah he kind of just meanders and he thinks about death because Pessoa's dead and then in the end he goes with Pessoa 
to the cemetery to live in the alternate reality Portugal that lives in the cemetery. I, and I, I know I get a little bit more of the not surface level, but I'm trying to be very surface level. Yeah. So that is and, the... Yeah. And I think it's also that this is happening. There's all these Spanish refugees coming to yes. Portugal because Spain, like the communists have won, won an election in Spain and then it's about to be overthrown by Franco, who then is the dictator of Spain. And he just kind of is observing it. Yeah, he doesn't have like a a horse in his race. He says he's like a monarchist no matter what. So he doesn't know who to pick in the Spanish conflict Mm -hmm. because there's no monarchy. Yeah, and it'll touch on, that's why it was felt like a very historical and that it would like touch on like, oh, and the sailors unions really wanted the communist um, to be in power. And then it was talking about how there were, instances where they were jailed and killed and so all these things were kind of like going on in the background going on in the background but he very much was just like floating through it yeah and also portugal is being ruled by a dictator at this time mm -hmm. and there's a lot of like uh and when he's reading the newspaper there's a lot of propaganda in there about how it's so great and that portugal's like picking a third road between being too fascist or communist basically even though they're kind of being fascist because yeah dictatorship but they're not saying that they are they're saying you know like that's not the propaganda that he's a he's a in taking in Um, and so that is the surface level kind of story through line but it's actually not supposed to be about that really yeah it's not about that so yeah so the part that required googling is that um so that fernando Passawa. Passawa. That's how it was said by my audiobook narrator. Okay. That's a was a real life person, a, mm-hmm. a author and a poet in Portugal who did die in the year this book is set in, and he was really famous, like maybe the most famous Portuguese writer at the time ever, and maybe still, I don't know. And um, and in his life, he wrote things from his perspective but he mm-hmm. went even above and beyond having like pseudonyms that he wrote into that he would make make up whole characters that would have different politics than him different writing styles and he would write books and poems from their perspective and and there was a ton of them like 70 or 80 of them and and people knew about them and it was popular and probably if you were portuguese you would just know about this guy because he's one of your most famous people ever to come from your country on a worldwide stage and ricardo reyes is one of his characters that he used to write from and uh and so a lot of the things and so then this book was written you know 60 years later after Fernando Pessoa died Mm -hmm. and by just like another Portuguese author who's like trying to do a thing where he's like imagining well what if that character was a real person and then has has to die the year that Fernando Pessoa died because they're one they're the same person actually Uh, and so a lot of his character traits in the book are like taken from the writing that was he did quote unquote in real life Uh, and and to me, like that, actually, that it's like it feels a little bit tortured of a literary device, but uh-huh. that's actually what the author's trying to do. They're, he's doing a very tongue in cheek thing yeah. where he's imagining this. And then that's why at the end of the book, Ricardo Reyes goes to the cemetery because, in fact, this whole year where he's been meandering, he's been dying just like the ghost has been wandering around. He's been yeah. wandering around because they're really one and the same person. Well, and it's like, it's very tongue in cheek because, like, it keeps saying, like, um, uh, the Pessoa character is saying like, Oh, I can be seen when I want to be seen and not be seen when I don't want to be seen. And, um, Ricardo race throughout the whole story is like feeling very 
seen and unseen depending on the scene (laughs) um (laughs) and so i also learned a vocabulary word oh yeah um that the term for that for a pseudonym when it's a whole full-fleshed literary character like that is a heteronym Yes, I learned that too. I did never, not know I'd that before. That. I can't think of an example where somebody else has done that. I didn't either. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's uh, and so, so really, like, I think that's what it's about. It's about, like, this character from our, like, that perhaps if you're Portuguese, you know about and it's, mm-hmm. like, joked about. Here's a book about him. Like, it, it would be like if somebody today wrote a book about, like, which this happens all the time, about, like, uh jane austen's real life yeah. that's made up and her where she meets her characters like that it's it's basically that kind of book but we don't have the cultural context to pick it out as that until we looked it up on wikipedia yeah and like even after i had read the wikipedia for it it was still hard to track yeah because the articles were all were not that big because the the one there there are probably isn't that much in english about this yeah so it was a bit of a struggle to figure out um to to figure out what what was going on in this book on top of it being um they're full of long yeah. run-on sentences and no punctuation and then i looked at that up and that's this, his style and this author jose uh, yeah Saramago, that he, that's his thing i know i was like that's not a cool thing i don't no. i'm not into your thing <laughs> no and, <laughs> and, and i think it might work fine in its original language, but that style does not translate well. It's not no, typically yeah. this author in general. That style does not translate well. Book tra- books and translations are usually best if they have short, direct sentences. It makes for the best translation that captures the original the best. And so I didn't know until tonight that it won the Nobel Prize, but to me... This is a, that's pretty shocking because yeah. it's a, I don't find this to be a very accessible book. You need a lot of context. Um, of course, the Nobel Prizes are given out in Europe. You yeah. Know, maybe they have more context there. I don't know. Yeah, no. And I think that, too, um, part of what made this literary literary device <laughs> so complicated in, was that then also on top of doing this, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, I am Ricardo Race looking at Pessoa. Like it was also so steeped in the politics of that one particular year that I feel like both you and I are fairly well educated about like 1930s Europe. Yeah. And I still was like, mm, mm, what? Yeah. Mm, like, was, I found it like you could read it, you could read it to be interested in that history. Or you could read it to be interested in the parts where he's talking to Fernando and it's like, and those are sprinkled without, or you could read it about his like weird relationship with the maid the whole time. Which I did not like. But either way, whichever plot part you're interested in, you're going little three pages about that, 40 pages about nothing you're interested in. Three pages about the thing you're interested in, 40 pages about, and so it was, it was hard not to skim because, and then there was just no punctuation. It made it, it was, oh yeah, it was a hard I, read. I gave up 30 pages in and just went straight to audio. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, I kept reading it and then there'd be, because I'm the type of reader who, which this is just such a like, a very like compulsive thing that I have where I really have to, if I don't read a sentence correctly in my head, I have to go back and restart that sentence. Mm -hmm. And when there's an author like this, where there's no punctuation and everything kind of like, there's lots of like segments to the sentences and everything is very like disjointed. 
I would find myself having to reread every like fifth or sixth sentence, which meant I was rereading a fifth of a page every five. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, it was so it's like bogged down. <laughs> yeah. And so I had to switch to audiobook. audiobook. The, the audio narration was great um, that I found. And actually, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. I'm sure this author is well beloved. And this book, if you are Portuguese, probably has so much more depth and meaning to it. But it was great just background droning noise. <laughs> yeah, I think it could very well be a great book in Portuguese. But it, yeah, I was just looking up while you we were talking. I was like, what books have won the Nobel Prize? Is any books that we like that we've read won? And I, so far, oh, The Good Earth. I did like, I've read that. That was okay. good. Um, there's some I've heard of, like The Grapes of Wrath, but I've never read. Uh, oh, we read this one for the podcast, Life and Times of Michael K by uh, J.M. Coetzee from we South We hated Africa. that we one. We hated it. <laughs> that one won the Nobel Prize, too? Yeah. And the Booker Prize. Jeez. Yeah. Lord of the Flies. Hate that. <laughs> I'm ambivalent. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of books that I've never heard of before. And so I just, I just think I'm not one for literary prices. I here's this one, flights. That one pretty recently. I tried to read that and I couldn't get into it. Uh. Side note: Speaking of grapes of wrath, I did just uh, finger a uh, gnat out of my wine, and I'm still drinking it. <laughs> So just thought the general population would like to know that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we haven't had great luck with Nobel Prize winners or Booker Prize winners. No, I think that there's something to be said um, that a lot of those prizes are not meant, and I wouldn't even say we're casual readers, but for a casual reader. No, definitely not. They're yeah. just... They're very meant for that circle of people have decided, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I feel like we're even before the, the, the reading the list, the podcast, I would say we're at least casual readers plus, you know, like one half step above that because we, we do, we don't just read only one genre. Like mm -hmm. we don't, ju and there's nothing wrong with doing that, but we, we, tr we both read a semi wide variety of yeah. things. Uh, and especially because of the podcast, but I think, and I like literary fiction. Like, it's one of like, my categories that I like. But often the ones who win these prizes and sometimes the ones who get chosen to be on this list, it's like, okay, we get it. You did a weird literary device that doesn't make the book good. Yeah. <laughs> Not well, to me. And, um, like, this book, I think, in order to find it good, it is a very small subset of people, which is hard because... Because when we're in that subset, we like it and we want it on the list. Yes. But when we're not, we don't. But when we're not, we don't. And so, like, that's a hard, um, like, line. And it's hard to think, like, oh, which is why it's great that this is our personal list. Right. Like, it is naturally going to be Western women in our generation kind of, like, based. But um, I just wonder sometimes if when these list makers are finding representation for generally underrepresented um, countries or voices, why sometimes they choose such niche examples. Yeah. yeah. It feels a little bit like 
patting yourself on the back. I understand all these deep books. Yeah. Um, which is like, very off-putting and, and like I think something people hate about literary circles, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could see like we're not talking like I did mark some pages in this. Like, oh, here's a plot device we could talk about a plot point. But I it's it all just blurred together for me. Like there's no yeah. there was nothing where I was like, oh, this thought is very profound or interesting. It's just it was a it was aimless like you said and that was on purpose because it was about him wandering around when he's dead basically mm-hmm. um yeah it just it wasn't it just wasn't for me yeah and i objectively i don't think this was a bad book no and it certainly wasn't as hard to read as some other things we've read just like for flow and stuff like it, it wasn't um, though for the love of god i love punctuation yeah i'm gonna add that just below no chapters is no punctuation <laughs> as your like least favorite things <laughs> you gotta punctuate um, uh as one the side story so i finished the book last night and then i set it down and then i picked up my ipad and i was just scrolling mindlessly for pinterest for like a few minutes and lo and behold i don't know if this is a coincidence or a sign that our phones truly listen to us all the time because lo and behold there was a pin that was a quote from fernando pessoa Oh my god! Up in my feed, and I screenshotted it. So it's from a book of his called "The Book of Disquiet," and the quote is, "My God, my God, whose performance am I watching? How many people am I? Who am I? What is the space between myself and myself?" Which so fits with the idea that he made all these characters yeah. to write from that he was trying to capture different parts of himself. So I was like, well, I got to talk, save that for the podcast to talk about. So Big Brother is watching. Um, and it's like not cool. like, I feel like a lot of quotes show up in my feed because I pin those kind of things a lot. And that's the algorithm. But I never pinned anything by him before. And I wasn't searching for quotes. I was just looking at the general feed. Yeah. Um, out of all the things that I've ever been like, oh, I just talked about this song. And now it's, it's yeah, like, this was one. This is the one that was most like, even Pinterest? Really? Like, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, at least we're not very interesting people for Big Brother to watch. (laughs) No, no, we're not. (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I think we can say whether we thought that this needed to be on the list or not. Um, I'm Um, one, two, three. No. no. (laughs) Um, Objectively, though, I think this goes in that like there's a subset of books where it's like it's not bad it just wasn't for us yeah there have been a few others i can't think of any off the top of the list of my head because we've read a lot at this point but like 67 yeah not bad just not ours yeah yeah and i think like that one we read from turkey that a long time ago oh um uh, caravan no yeah yeah life is a caverns rye yeah i feel like perhaps would be much better with just a lot more context that was hard for us to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one not, had some translation issues too. Yeah, there's too, just but not yeah. a lot in the uh, English, in English about it. Um, and maybe that's a shame because, that's, you know, like that's, it's, it's yeah. obviously beloved by some people. It won the Nobel Prize. Yeah, um, that is, I think that is the one I was trying to think of that yeah. just was, we were missing the context on. Yeah. What, um, so what are you going to do with your uh, second copy of this book? Are you going to give it as a gift or... <laughs> I think it's right here. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to donate it. Oh, there you go. Do you want one with the Nobel Prize sticker on it? 
No, I'm good. I, I only need that. This one looked like it used to belong to a library because it has a uh, little Sticker barcode on it. Oh. So some library team. Did send cut it from their collection uh <laughs> circulation they were like mm, we're good yeah um what are we gonna read next so um we are going to read the sorrows of belgium Ooh, okay okay this this must be about world war one or world war two right that's when we all know belgium was sad <laughs> yeah belgium was real sad uh <laughs> Maybe they were sad at other points in history that we don't know about. I love when we find ourselves funny. Um, (laughs) Who is the author of this one? Um, I don't know. I can't. I don't know who the author is. I guess we'll have to find out next episode. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Meaning that it's literally on my shelf and neither of us are uh, feeling like we're going to get up. I'm very (laughs) nearsighted. Yeah. We're not going to stand up and find out. So it'll be a surprise. Um, I think it's about, if I were to guess, I would say SARS of Belgium is going to be World War II. Um... And I think that we're going to cry. Yeah. I mean, we do both like World War II books, so. It has- we can only hope. Don't jinx it. You're right. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> yeah. But until then, we uh, just are really excited to keep reading this list, even if not all of them are winners for us. Yep. You can find us on <laughs> Litzy, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 1001 Books podcast or at 1000 books pod or you can email us at 1000 books podcast at gmail.com and until next time happy happy reading. reading